Thanks for tuning in. Again, you are listening to The Drew Marshall Show, and uh, we are just about to uh, launch into our final segment on the show. We call these segments journey segments because, you know, there's no celebrities, no doctors, no author. It's just a normal, everyday person who, I don't know, life has thrown them a curveball. And it's, I don't know, it's always fascinating for me, especially in the, in the God scene, how people who are people of faith process curveballs, process tough stuff. Uh, so, up next, Paul Moore. He is a 36-year-old man who uh, has a wife named Joni, and they are the parents of two daughters, Ellie and Reese. They are three and five years old, both, and uh, on the autism spectrum. So there's another kind of curveball. Paul was diagnosed with kidney cancer just a few months ago and uh, has bravely faced uh, every challenge with a strong will and positive outlook. And uh, since his diagnosis, the cancer has progressed despite multiple surgeries and excruciating treatments, which have included, check this out, a hip replacement, kidney removal, and a surgery to remove tumors from his head. So this sucks. (laughs) There's just no other way to say it. Paul is on the phone with us. Paul, thank you so much for, I don't know, being willing to, to share your journey. A lot of people get real private when it comes to this stuff, and I don't blame them, but I love it when people are willing to open up uh, during this time. So thank you, Paul. Hey, no, thanks for thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's interesting you say about uh, a lot of people go private. We, uh, about five years ago, we had uh, someone very close to us, um, our, our aunt, my wife's second mother to a certain extent. Um, she passed away of breast cancer, and... Uh, she, she chose to keep it private, and we respected that at the same time. I wish there was there was more we knew ahead of time, and, and we just kind of felt as a couple that being open uh, it was kind of our way to go. So we felt good about it uh, so far. Hmm. Well, hold on. Let's just let's just take it one day at a time. How are you today? What's today like for you? Um, today's okay. I'm, I'm actually in the hospital right now. <laughs> I got a, uh, a blood transfusion last night and today, so it's kind of, it's very up and down, as, as you can imagine. We have good days and bad days, and um, your body does all kinds of weird things that you're not used to, and we'll be okay. We're, we're going home tonight, so um, we're, we're good. We're, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm mentally there. I, I can do a lot of things, and, you know, mentally and spiritually, but physically is where I'm, uh, I'm very... Very limited, and I'm, I'm basically capitated all the time. So, hmm. when people hedge around these words, uh, you know, you're not going to make it, going to die, uh, fatally, I don't know, whatever, whatever kind of phrasing they use, I think people struggle around how to how to talk about this with you or about you. What would you say to those around you who struggle with with using the right words because they don't want to offend or they, you know I don't know what, what do you say to those people? It's hard because um, I've been on both sides. I've been on the other side where you know I, I feel like what what a lot of people do and what I probably do is is 
with, with our aunt is just, hey, is there anything I can do for you? And, you know, you want to do something. You want to be able to help it. You just don't know how. And, um, you know, to be completely honest, sometimes that question gets tiresome. I think one of the best things you can do is if, if you know of something you can do to make a difference, just do it. Hmm. Um, and, and some of our friends around us and family around us that, you know, know what some of our needs are has just kind of jumped to it and, and helped. And that's a hard thing to do. It takes a lot of, a lot of guts to do that because you don't want to offend anybody. But, you know, I think if you know somebody well enough, um, that, that's just kind of the best way to approach it is being open. Right. But, but, be honest. I but, mean, but specifically around the phrasing of basically what I'm asking is, I'm struggling with how to word things with you. Forget the hypothesis of, you know, other people. And especially when it comes to people of faith. When people say, you know, uh, uh, I want to tell you about Paul. Paul is is not going to be with us much longer. A lot of people of faith say, unless God intervenes, unless God heals, or they refuse to even use those negative-sounding phrases because they want the power of positivity to have some impact and they really don't want you to go. And so they, they, it's almost like if they say it, it'll happen quicker. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's, there's really no, I think everybody's different. And, and for us, it, yeah, it's hard to hear. Um, it's, I would say it's harder to read. Like the articles that came out, um, it was, it was kind of painful at first to, to read that and be like, well, hey, I'm, I'm a person. I'm not, I'm not a dead man walking. I'm I'm here, um, but at the same time, it, it, you kind of balance realism with with the positivity. I don't think anybody's hundred percent positive all the time, unless they're just not telling you the truth. But you kind of you just have to balance the two together. Right. Right. Um, how does a father um, prepare his kids for his death? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still looking for answers there. Um, you know, one thing we started doing with our five-year-old is uh, just completely open and honest. One thing that a therapist told us was, was some of the best advice we got was, you know, don't say you're sick because then kids will associate that with them being sick. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just be honest with them about Hey, I have cancer, and this is what it is. And not all cancers um, kill people, you know. And this is this is something that it could obviously, you know, take my life away. And and that is not something that always takes somebody's life away. Just being honest, um, this is what we've done with our five-year-old. Our three-year-old doesn't really understand um, a lot of the talking concepts, but she definitely she gets it. She understands that I'm I'm not well and I'm not the same person that I was before. Is Ellie and is Ellie the one that, that goes around and says, "Hey, my daddy has cancer." Yeah, yeah. No, she tells everybody. It's it's kind of funny. It's, uh, you, you can't get away from that, and that's you know it's already kind of out there anyways. And I think people in our community know by now. And yeah, but yeah, she'll she'll tell a random person. And uh, they, they obviously have no idea what to say when she tells them, but it, it is what it is. So. Um, um, when I always I like to ask people who are who are faith people um, about the unfairness of this and what kind of 
conversations you've allowed your yourself to have with with the God that you have you have followed or surrendered yourself to or believe in. Um, you know, I I have said this way too many times on on my show, but if there is a God, God and I have this long-standing argument, which is pretty much one-sided. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I sort of say to him. You know, screw with me any way you want, but touch my kids, and you and I are going to have a problem. We're getting divorced. Mm-hmm. What? How has this impacted you spiritually? Have you just sort of settled into, oh well, the Lord gives, the Lord takes, God is good. You know, uh, it's it's not my life; it's His. Uh, or or have you have you stood on a rock somewhere and cussed out God, or something in between? No, you know, it's um, I've I've definitely had ups and downs. Uh, I can remember around the time we first found out that things were going downhill. Um, and I was just incredibly sick all the time. And when you're, when you're sick like that, uh, it's hard not to be upset or wonder why and how is this happening to me. And I remember um, one night in particular, you know, kneeling down, uh, in my closet to, to pray, I, it was, it was all the strength that I could muster, um, to do that. And I felt that I, I prayed with all my heart and, and, and when that happened, I, 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 at that moment, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel comforted. And I was, I was actually really upset by that because if anybody needed comfort, um, in that moment, I felt it was me. And uh, the next day, though, I, I woke up, and the first thing I thought about, and I, I don't know how religious your show is, I don't want to go too far here, but I... You do whatever you need to do, man. I, I just, uh, I thought about this this speech that I heard somebody give, and it was it was about Christ last week on Earth, and, and about... Uh, how he came into Jerusalem so beloved, yet how that last week he just knew, you know, people were started betraying him and he started feeling alone until that last moment when he was on the cross, and he may not have fully understood even in that moment that his, his own father had to abandon him just for a moment when he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And... I understood from that moment that I could not be alone. Even if I felt I was alone, I could not be alone because Christ suffered for me in order that I didn't have to go through that or feel that way. And so my faith and past experiences it's really what afflicted me in that moment of, of being so down and out to where I decided in that moment that I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. And I may have moments where I feel alone and I may have moments where I don't know what's going on, but I have my faith. I believe in a life after this. And I believe, um, in eternal families and, and that's that's what that's what's gotten me through. You know, we um, 
we are educated by Hollywood, whether we like it or not. And I can think of, you know, a few movies here and there where they're getting ready for someone to die. I, unfortunately, I think I'm thinking of Bette Midler's movie. What was that called again? The Wind Beneath My Wings. Is that what the name of the movie? That's no, the song. No. But why? Beaches. Beaches. Beaches, yeah. And, um, and the things that you do to help your kids remember you after you, after you go... Your story has a has a bit of a curve, another curveball in it, because your kids are on the autism spectrum. So does that mean they won't remember you? Or the chances of them, or the way they remember you, is going to be tainted because of this autism? You know, they, I, I I sure hope not. I think if anything, it'll be maybe remembered in a, in a different way, but a special way. I, they're both high functioning. So they can both talk. Um. And, you know, and communicating, and that's the thing about autism that I just, there's so many times I just wish I could understand, you know, what's going through my daughter's head. Um, but there's so many times where she just, our oldest one blows us away with how smart she is and how much she actually does understand. And, you know, the fact that she's shown such maturity through this makes me believe 100% that, um they'll remember something and you know it still concerns me but i i know that's a priority my wife has to continue to try to keep me in their life somehow you know it's it's a hard thing to write a letter to your child 10 years down the road you know and who knows if a teenager is going to appreciate something like that but from everybody i've talked to that's off parent they uh, they said that they would appreciate it, and I, I sure hope that it doesn't matter whether or not the autism is there. I, I need to ask you a theological question, which just jumped into my yeah. brain right now. Um, so just to sort of fill in the blanks here for our listeners, you uh, and your family, you're Mormons, and, or La- uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is, I think that's the more official way to kind of explain things. Sorry about that. Um and if, from what I understand, if, please forgive my ignorance. I just don't know how this works uh, for you guys. But from what I understand, when you are sealed in the temple, you are sealed eternally. And so you and your wife will be together forever. Is that true? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So what does that mean when you're gone as far as your wife getting remarried again? Right. And it's a complicated thing, but... Reality is she can. She can't um, or can? One of the hardest conversations. She can. She can get married again. It just wouldn't be in a temple. Um, and that's that's where there's a lot of complicated things we wouldn't necessarily need to jump into. But it's, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. If if it's if she chooses to, to eventually date or be with somebody, she can absolutely do that. It would just be an earthly marriage till death do us part. And believe me, that's hard to think about right now. But um, yeah, yeah, and and by the way, I, you know, I I ask that from a theological point of view because it just intrigues me to no end. But I just stepped uh-huh. right, I just stepped right over, right over the the hurt that would come with that question. And I I want to apologize, uh, you know. Paul, I, I, I just, oh man, I don't know whether I should have asked that question. So I, anyway. That's fine. I, I'm, I honestly, it's, it's totally fine. I mean, I'm, I, I believe there's a lot of things that we just don't understand and that, um, 
you know, we, we have our earthly kind of thoughts on things, and, and I, I think when we see the bigger picture, whenever that may be, whenever that comes for us, and, and I, I don't think things will seem so complicated or crazy. Hmm. Um, the day that you found out that this was a serious illness, um, sometimes from that moment forward, that can have a real, well, it does, it has a real impact on the marriage, and sometimes it's not so good. Uh, as a matter of fact, statistically, I think more often than not, it isn't good. It doesn't, you know, you'd think, oh, you get this horrible, devastating news, and you guys, you know, a couple would unite, and it would be a solid front, and you support, and encouragement, and it, you know, it turns into another Hollywood movie. But uh, but more often than not, it 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 really has a negative impact on on your marriage. Did it did it kick your marriage in the butt? No, it helped. It helped it honestly. I mean, it's not like we were in trouble or anything, but we. Uh, I, I I kind of I held back a lot of emotions and feelings. I think before this all happened, I don't think she ever really saw me uh, cry or anything. Or at least as much as I have now, I cry all the time. I'm like an emotional wreck sometimes. But um, you know, I, I I think we've only grown closer to this. That was one of the crazy things. Is when I first found out, she wasn't there. Um, she had to go drop one of the kids off, and I was in the emergency room, and they gave me the news, and she was on the phone, and, and uh, you know, I almost got in a wreck trying to get to the hospital, getting there, and, and I remember the, the first thing I thought of when I found out was, oh my gosh, my wife and my kids, what's going to happen? What, what are we going to do? And she knew that. She knew that right away, um, and she came, and uh, the first thing she said was, we're going to be okay. And she knew exactly what to say in that moment. And we've just been nothing but open with each other and, and talk to each other. And some of our conversations are really weird. Um, I mean, if we invited anybody in, it'd be just strange just because of how openly we talk about everything now. And, and uh, it's only been, it's been nothing but good. Hmm. Wow. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine who's been co-hosting the show. Linda Stewart is here in studio with us, and she is the founder of the Toronto Death Cafe, and that is uh, basically a group that meets quarterly of random strangers who just want to get together and have small group discussions about the subject of death. It's not a grief support group. It's just, well, I think I've already explained it. So, Linda, uh, this is this is Paul. Um, Paul, Linda. Hi, Paul. Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm fine. How are you doing? Good. <laughs> um, one of the things that we talk about at Death Cafe is is how to live your your best life. And uh, one of the one of the questions that that comes up is, you know, if you found out that you only had two months to live, what would you what would you really do? And and I wondered if you had any any thoughts on that. And and does it does it really piss you off when you hear people who are healthy complaining about? the traffic or the lineups of the grocery store. Like how is this how is this experience put life into perspective and, and what can you what can you tell us to help us live our best life? Oh yeah. I think about that stuff all the time. Um, you know, it's it, uh, to, to your last comment, um, I, I feel kinda of like an old man a lot of times because I'm sitting there 
these kids don't appreciate they <laughs> run around and you know, and do all the things you're doing. It's yeah. I mean, any time that you're physically limited, um, you you kind of look at others and just think, you know, I, I wish that they appreciated this. And it's funny because I remember telling my wife, because um, I get the question a lot, what do you want to do? What what do you want to, you know, now that you know, what what are you going to do now before you die? And it's that Tim McGraw song, the mm-hmm. what is it? Like you were climb a mountain and yeah. get on a bowl and and do all this stuff, well, I, that's completely opposite from my mind. I don't want to do any of that stuff mm. um, just because of my, my physical health. But, um, you know, I, I guess I respect people that do that, but, I, you know, it, it's still important to to put those things out there and, and, and do, what, do what you want to do. We, one thing is we wanted to run a Jeep. And, uh, you know, kind of back to what we said in the beginning of, the, of this conversation where people just do things. This guy just brought over a Jeep, dropped it off at our house, this big old Jurassic Park Jeep, and told us to take it out for the day. And we took our kids up in the mountains and were driving around and made a whole bunch of videos and just, just had a great time. And it was something it was so small. But looking back, those are the types of memories that kids are going to remember and, and so yeah, we think about that, and, and um, for me, it's a lot more limited as far as what we can do. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I I get I get I wouldn't call it ticked off, but I I get uh, jealous, if you will, sometimes that things people can do, and I, I I guess that's why my message is trying to has been trying to just tell people to stop wasting your time being so negative, stop wasting your time idol being just doing stupid stuff you know there's so much you can do and so many positive things you can do in life and do it just do it paul just bear with me while i throw out a hypothetical here which is probably a bit loopy but uh let's say you you got a reprieve let's say uh you were healed let's say that you have been spending all this time preparing for the end, and all of a sudden you got a you got a new start. Do you really think that this new attitude, this new out, uh, this new outlook on life, this new appreciation for life, do you think that's sustainable? Seriously, Unle- unless so. we have a gun to our head, do we not just <laughs> you know? I hope so. You know, I, I know people that are that way, so um, I guess. I, that's all I can say. I, I couldn't tell you whether or not I would be that way the rest of my life, but I, I hope so. And I think, you know, we have to live our lives in a way that we we look for that inspiration, and wherever it may come from, whoever it may come from, that you know, you follow, you follow whatever inspires you, and you're going to end up in a good place. And nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to be, you know, a, a perfect person the rest of their lives we're all we're all continuing to grow but um i hope so i i, I hope that i could keep that up it's but i couldn't tell you for sure it's if i'm being completely honest um is it johnny or Joni? Joni. okay because there's another famous j-o-n-i that says her name johnny so Joni. yeah is Joni there n- near you yeah would she mind hopping on the phone for a second do you think no, not at all. Are you want me to put on speaker or just give it to her? Just, just hand. I don't. I want to talk about you, not to you. <laughs> okay, perfect. Hang on. Okay, I'm such a jerk. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hi. 
Okay. How, wait, um, let, let, hold on. Let me ask that more specifically. How is this day for you? <laughs> this day is great because every day for me right now is um, a little bit based on how Paul feels, and Paul's really himself today, and he's been telling jokes, and so I'm happy. I'm good. Are you exhausted? Um, Not today. I got to sleep last night because we were at the hospital. I didn't have to be with... <laughs> waking up with kids last night, so I got a, I got a decent night's sleep. Um, but I would say mentally, I would say, yeah, I, I live in kind of a state of exhaustion. But I think that's all right. That's what's happening right now. So, so Joni, um, you are facing um, being well, being redefined. You're you're you've got some new definitions about to come on you. Thing, let's see, things like. Uh, widow um single mom uh that's that's got to be weird yeah yeah it is weird um those are things that although i know are coming um i'm not i think part of my personality is that i tend to be (laughs) short-sighted which has not served me well in some situations, but in this situation, so, it does serve me well. Yeah, yeah. And it really helps me to just focus on what we're doing right now. And I know that they're coming, and I figure dwelling on them isn't going to change anything. Hmm. Um, if I were you, I'm not putting this on you, but I'm telling you, if I were you, and and I was faced with what you're, you're facing and, and about to face with Ellie and Reese, um... I think the word scared would come into my vocabulary a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you feel? I wouldn't say scared. I would say um, I feel overwhelmed. I I mean, I, I tell this to people all the time, but, you know, when you're shopping around about the person who you want to marry... I had a list of things, of attributes that I wanted my partner to have as we raised children together. And Paul just checked every single thing off that list. And I knew right away, as soon as I got to know his personality at all, that he, I mean, this is going to sound really cliche, but he did kind of, does kind of complete me um, in a way that makes us a good pair for raising children. And so the thought of having some of those attributes missing from our lives in the future makes me feel overwhelmed mm. because it's, there are certain parts of my personality that I feel are lacking. Um, and I want them to have that in their lives. That's why I chose Paul. That's why he's such a good dad. Um, so I, I just, I figure you have to, everything that comes your way, you have to go at it with a plan. And so one, one of my plans has been, um, if you can, if you combine some of Paul's brothers, Combine some of their personalities, you get a different but a similar version of him. And I've I've spoken with them about spending a lot of time with their kids hmm. so that they can still um, hopefully absorb some of those more men attributes that I love so much about the family and about Paul. Is, is the phrase getting... Uh, no, hold on. Is the phrase being ready a misnomer? Like, I don't think... I don't know. I'm on the outside. <laughs> can anyone actually be ready... For the day that, no. that Paul died? No, right. No, no way. It's like when people tell you, when you're, when I was pregnant, people say, enjoy your sleep now because you're not going to get it later. Well, you can't because you've never known any different, you know? And 
And so there is no being ready for me. I and and I don't honestly I don't want to be ready. Hmm. I want to love him like he's going to be here forever. Because wow. I think if you are truly being ready, then you're shutting down a part of yourself and availability. And I don't want to do that. I think I need to call Tim McGraw and give him that line for the for the next song. I want to love him like he's going to be here forever. If that ain't a country <laughs> song, then I don't know what is. Let me tell you. <laughs> Um, the reason I, I wanted you on the phone in particular, uh, Joni, and I'm sorry, I sh- should have warned you about this, but uh, the Paul Moore Foundation, uh, the website is thepaulmoorefoundation.org. If I understand things right, that was originally established to kind of help you uh, with your future, because financially, it's, it's, there's going to be a massive strain, but it's turned into more than that. Can you just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, um, what, what we're really excited about is that, so this this year in the event that's coming up will be helpful and the donations will um, go towards our family, to our little family, um, which will be immensely, you know, immense help to us. But the goal is to um, have an event, uh, an annual event to benefit a family in our situation. Hmm. And we like that because it will benefit other families who one of the parents or, um, you know, someone who they're depending on is has a terminal illness um, and they're going to have a hardship because of it. And we like the idea of helping others and also having Paul's name attached to it. It helps him live on in a way on earth that he's not going to be able to. Well, uh, on behalf of everybody who's heard this interview, uh, I know, I don't know this, but I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume that you're not comfortable with me labeling you a hero because you're just doing what anybody okay. needs to do. But the heroic aspect of the way you've done it is something that is ridiculously admirable. And I am, I am just a fan of yours uh, from the little bit I've read and the little bit I've, I've spoken to you. I can't imagine the, you know, Joni, you were never designed to carry this much weight. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sorry. Felt like I was prepared for it. Like, and like I said, I don't want to be prepared. But, yeah, it's, it's something, it's kind of one of those things where you don't know hmm. how, you don't know how you're going to handle it until it happens. But the support that has emerged for our family has, I think, given me strength beyond what I have. And I think it will continue to. And our faith has given us a lot of strength. And so for all those things, I am incredibly grateful. The Paul Moore Foundation dot org is a website you want to go and check out. Uh, the Paul Moore Foundation dot org. Joni, uh, will you give uh, Paul a wedgie from me, please? <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Just sneak up behind him. He'll kind of go, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Now? That's from Drew. Okay. Okay, I'll give him a wedgie from you, and then I'll do some for myself. All right, there we go. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> um, Joni, uh, thank you, and, and yeah, seriously, um, thank Paul on, on our behalf. It was such an honor to chat with both of you. Well, we appreciate talking to you, too. Take care. Bye-bye.